we come blue and white and we're looking good You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Carlisle United, the team that's on the ball Hello everyone and welcome to what I think is, for the first time in a while, a special episode of the Brunson Bugle. Yes, we are back um, and this is one we've been trailing for a little bit. We finally got around to recording it last week um, and it's taken a little while to get edited and put out because there's a few little gremlins in the system. But here it is. This is the interview that Dan and I had with Tom Two and Alice Piatic, who are of course two of our new owners. Um, very exciting. I, I can't say thank you enough to Tom too for agreeing to do this with us, and it was a pleasant surprise. Alice turned up as well. We we thought we were just getting Tom too, so we got you know two for the price of one. It was fantastic, and it, me and Dan got a chance to sit with them for about an hour, and we chatted over a video call, and it was fantastic. You know, we really got to go a little bit in depth into some of the things behind what happened with the takeover of the club and what's coming up, and you know all the plans they have and just how excited they are to be involved in the club. And look, you know, you can judge for yourselves, listen to it, but I really felt the enthusiasm from just talking to the two of them. And that's only, you know, it's only one third of the family as well. So that makes it even more fantastic. So um, I don't want to ramble on too much here. You guys just want to hear them talk. So here you are. This is the chat that Dan and I had with Tom Two and Alice Payatic last week. Right, so here we are with this special interview episode of the Brunton Bugle, and we've got two very special people with us today, Tom Two and Alice here, one of our, well, two of our new owners, I should say there. Um, how are you both doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's stressful <laughs> at the beginning of the year, any year, but it's been extremely exciting, just everything going on in Carlisle and then having to come back to Jacksonville and work a little bit, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, do, doing really well. Doing well, glad. Uh, as she said, you know, been busy, but it's been been good to be busy. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure all Califons will wish uh, you guys a very happy New Year. Um, how are you both coping after what's been, let's say, a whirlwind few months for for the family generally? Yeah, no, it's been it's, it's been good. You know, the family's taken to it well. We're we're getting the travel travel aspect down and and getting done. You know, understand everything that comes along with Carlisle and and the city. So, um, you know, we're we're, we're really starting to understand it and. and coping well um you know we need a little couple of results on the field um but hopefully those come in time and and we're looking forward to it yeah it's definitely been an adjustment but it's been really interesting and fun to learn a new aspect of a sport that I really didn't pay attention to beforehand and so over this last like nine months I feel like I've really dived into knowing everything about football and that's really fun for me because I'm very sports oriented in general so I love that aspect of it and just being able to go see everything and all the different stadiums and see how different teams play has been really fun and exciting. Well, that, that brings me nicely to the next question then. So let's talk a bit about your backgrounds and particularly your sporting interests growing up. Obviously, you mentioned there, Alice, that you've, you're quite new to football, as I'm sure all the listeners are glad you, you call it rather than <laughs> soccer. But, um, but yeah, in terms of both of your sporting backgrounds, what they're like, because I know, Tom, that you've played a bit of, um, let, let's call it soccer for this for the sake of this question, uh, when you were in college as well, didn't you? So what, what's your backgrounds on that? So I actually played soccer growing up. So it, it was very popular in my hometown. Um, I did it from when I was probably six to 14. I didn't do it in high school. Um, but then I went into swimming. So I actually did soccer and swimming at the same time. But I was a varsity swimmer in uh, high school. So that's kind of my background. Um, I haven't really played any recreational sports since then. So. Yeah, and <laughs> she, she's from an island, so swimming is a good sport to uh, to yeah. know down there in Key West. <laughs> yeah. um, but but for myself, I, I I'd say I pretty much play any sport. Um, you know, growing up, I, I can't I, cricket was one I didn't play. Um, but you know, other than that, um, American football, soccer, swimming, tennis, um, track and field. I just kind of like to compete. Um, I would say that's, that's, you know, definitely something that was ingrained in me early is 
is just having that drive to compete and, and do your best on the field or in whatever aspect. So I love all sports. I will say soccer or, you know, as we're saying in this conversation was my, was my main sport. I, I dual rostered in fall and spring played winter and summer for my school, um, dual rostering playing once for a club. And then I just played with my local neighborhood team basically my entire life. Cause I didn't want to leave them. Um, had great friends on that team, but did need to play club ball as well. Um, so that it was definitely my primary sport, but I mean, all throughout high school, I was a two to three sport athlete every year. Um, and, and it's more just, I, I enjoy team sports more than individual sports. Um, and, and, you know, having a group come together and, and putting in the work to win um, is just, it's something I enjoy. And there's no better feeling than, than going out there and getting a win on the field. We all know from uh, the, the chat or the presentation you guys gave uh, to the um, the Meeting with Kiosk members that um, you've been looking at a club where well, you've been looking at Sports Ocean for about a decade or so, at least potentially up, up to a decade. When did it really ramp up, though? Did did something like, you know, the Welcome to Wrexham uh, documentary, that kind of thing, did that sort of peak a little bit more interest and think, right, we really need to do something with this? Or, or is it something that's sort of just been bubbling over for quite a while? A little of both. I, I would say it's something, I mean, I, I can go back easily a decade and pull up third division Argentinian football teams. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, every young man probably to some extent thought, hey, this is the dream. This this is the goal. Um, so in terms of how long it's been in, in the thought process, it has been a, a long, long time. Um, I'll say about two and a half years ago, um, Tom came to me and just said, hey, is this something we could do? Um, you know, knowing the current status of the business and, and our, and our family's abilities. And the fact that we now have three, you know, fully grown capable couples of that can travel around and, and you know, we're out of college and things of that nature. Um, more you know, down. yeah, more settled down. Is this something we could do? So that kind of really, uh, I would say accelerated the process. It went more from me just having a dream um, and, and something that, you know, everyone was interested in to something we actually really looked into from a business case perspective versus just a, a fanatic a fan perspective. Um, I, I also think it had to do with being approached for um, like local opportunities to partner up with teams that were coming available in Jacksonville and how much they were wanting for an investment and what kind of piece that is. And then you shopping it out and saying like, okay, well, for this amount of money, we can partner with uh, this team or for this amount of money, we can have our own club and make a difference in the community by ourselves. So I think that kind of also escalated the situation of this is something we're really passionate about. This is something we really want to do, but where where's the best thing for our buck if we are going to be spending the money to do this? So I think that that made a really big difference to just like the opportunities that were presenting themselves over back in the States. So um, if we go back to, what was it, about February last year, and Dan, who is obviously joining us for this, for this interview, he was a bit involved with Kiosk, and you guys got in contact with Kiosk and the club. What was your first initial impression to speaking to the club and, and Kiosk uh, when you were pushing for the takeover? Uh, it was really positive um, to Dan and, and Matt and the rest of Kiosk. I want to say thank you for responding to my email um, <laughs> and not just thinking it was a, a random a random spam email or something along those lines. Yeah, um, it, it, it did actually land in the junk folder originally. Yeah, yeah. No, and, think... and there were a few times where emails coming back, they were getting flagged and held up, especially with the company email as that, uh, you know, it, it flags things from overseas a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. So we 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 had a few, few uh, you know, technical glitches getting that through, but I do want to say massive thank you for you guys responding to that and and believing that it was a, a real email there um but it it, it was really positive conversation uh, we did speak with kiosk first um and you know kind of presented hey this is our family this is our goals and and here's kind of how we see things playing out and luckily and, and as we have mentioned carlisle was the top of our list there were four or five clubs that we had reached out to and spoken to but carlisle was number one um, and from that point on, I think we kind of had an idea that if things can continue to progress the way that call went, um, this seems like the, the best opportunity. I think me and Tom both agreed on that early on. Um, and, and then luckily QOS got us in contact with the right people at the club and, um, things just kind of snowballed from there to, to get us to today, which has been a heck of a ride. Yeah. I was going to say, just, just obviously for those listening, we're doing this as a video call. Obviously we only put the uh, audio out, but this is very reminiscent of the first Zoom about 10 months ago when uh, yourself and your dad were there. And there were, I think there was five of us on it. And when we came off it, we all sort of went, 
wow, this is actually serious. We're like, wow, this is serious. <laughs> We're like, whoa. We all sort of just froze for a few seconds and went, right, what do we do next? <laughs> it's quite incredible to think, isn't it, when you go back to that? I mean, it's a fair point Dan makes there in terms of realising it was something serious because Dan will tell you that we've had so many false storms over the last 15 years in terms of potential takeover interest and you know, we've had a, a, a was it an Iraqi billionaire? I can't remember it was. Syrian, Donald, was it a Syrian billionaire? Syrian, he was, Syrian yeah. billionaire at one point who turned out not to be a Syrian billionaire. He um, he and, and things like that. Canada, apparently. That was yeah. it, apparently. <laughs> literally. But, um, so the, those false dawns, and obviously, as a result, there was a there was a quite a strong vetting process, wasn't there, in terms of making sure you guys are right. But you guys seem, in a sense, quite happy with that because it shows the chance for you to show how deadly serious you were. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, you know, the, the club definitely, probably due to some of those instances in the past, which we, we have heard about, um, they did put us through a pretty stringent uh, process of of just, you know, finding out about our family, about our businesses, about our, our interest in the sport, and and really putting us through the ringer in some extent. But, you know, that's kind of what you want when, when, you're, when you're looking to take over, um, you know, a club that you want to know that it's been cared for and that the people there that, that are, are leaving it are wanting someone that's the right fit to come in. Um, and, and it's quite interesting, you know, nobody really listens to you until they hear that one club's kind of approved you. Then all of a sudden a bunch of clubs start reaching out and saying, Hey, heard you guys are qualified. And, and, you know, would you be in? And it's no, we're we're with Carlisle. Um, but, but it was definitely a, it was definitely a process. It, it took longer than we expected. Um, but we got, we got to the end result that I think we were all hoping for. So, so we're happy we finally made it. I was going to say, um, I think your initial email was late February last year. And obviously you came over in May for the playoffs, stopped on for Wembley. We had meetings with you, at, you know, etc. I was genuinely amazed that nobody got whiff of it until I think it was late August, wasn't it? When uh, August, yeah. John, John yeah. Coleman sort of put two and two together and, you know, six months of, it was the hardest six months I've ever had following Carlisle because <laughs> one, keeping it quiet, and then two, when the initial sort of story was run by the news and staff, people are saying to me, oh, you'll know, you'll know. And I'm like, don't know anything. You know, <laughs> basically lying to people I've known for years just to keep it... <clears throat> you know, not derail anything, but uh, did, did you find it kind of a little bit of a relief when it became public knowledge? I would say, yeah, the whole family did. Uh, I think I remember when it when it first broke, you even had to recuse yourself from the bugle here yeah, um, because yeah. you, you weren't allowed to say anything. I think I remember listening to that episode, um, but it was it was definitely a shocker. I, I don't remember who sent it to us, but someone just flipped us the news and star, uh, you know, picture and, and they sent it, you know, in the morning over UK time. So we woke up, we all woke up and saw, you know, first thing on our phones, headline, American businessmen interested and <laughs> the picture at Wembley and we went, oh, yeah, they got us. And then I think they might've had one at, at the home playoff leg. And we were like, yep, they, they got it. But at this point we didn't have to be quiet about it. So we were honestly very relieved that it, that it had uh, been, been leaked or put out there by John Coleman, who I think, yeah, just put two and two together. And a few people caught the American accents when we were at, you know, at, at the games and you know, like, <laughs> Huh, American Carlisle fans. I don't see too many of those, but it was a playoff. So, you know, if we were going to make a trip, it might make sense. But, um, yeah, we were definitely relieved that it came out and we could finally, um, you know, speak about things not in depth, but say, hey, yes, this is us. Yes, we are real. Yes, we are um, interested in Carlisle United. Obviously, that coming out was probably the accelerant towards getting the deal done for me because, obviously, once, once it becomes public knowledge, there's then a sense of, from both sides, you know, obviously yourselves as a family wanting to get the deal done. And also we speaking as a kiosk person here and also the club wanting to get it done. Because as you say, other clubs do sort of perk up. Oh, you're, you're looking to buy your club. Hello, how are you? You know, so I, I, I would say getting released was, it got there three months later. And yeah, it was. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. It definitely was. And, you know, on our side, we, we never had any you know plans to hold anything back. Um, we were just doing, you know, what, what the club needed us to do. Um, but when, you know, you guys know how football fans are, when, when something like that gets leaked, it, it 
can blow up and it can it can really you know be all over the place and, and everybody you know might be talking about it. So we definitely think it, it did help help the process move along um, on that side just because once that outside pressure was added, it, it just all you know becomes a pressure cooker and things needed to get done in a more in a timely manner because there are more eyes on it. Um, and that's not something we were upset about to be honest with you. It's funny that you say about there's not can't be many Carlisle American fans. But actually, I've just had a look at our, uh, I can look at all our anal- analytics for the pod. And the second highest country in the world for listening to us is the USA. There's quite a few listeners. New York, Indianapolis, Jacksonville Beach is listed there. So <laughs> we have we have got a few few around the world. Um, let's go back to those playoff games then. I think you sort of touched on this before, but that seemed to be the point where for you and your dad especially, you, you thought, yes, this, this is the club we want to take over. It must have been quite special to be involved in those games. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a fantastic week. I mean, you could not have picked a better two weeks. We, we weren't even supposed to stay through yeah. Wembley, but, I mean, how could you leave? Um, it, <laughs> no. but it, it, it was definitely a moment. I, I would say when we were at Bradford and they kind of tempered us with, uh, you know, Carlisle's not quite Bradford, and then we got up to Carlisle and went, we kind of like this more personally, you know, and yeah. and, and that, that was just, just from a personal feel. Um, and, and that's regarding the stadium and the infrastructure and everything along those lines. Uh, before we even, you know, got to experience, you know, Brunton Park packed to the gills, just absolutely, you know, rocking on, on game day there. Um, so it, I would say, yeah, we, we we knew going into it, we were pretty sure that Carlisle was the one. But once we got up to the city and, and really both the, the football side and walking around, exploring the city, you know, talking to people that, you know, had no idea who we were um, and, and kind of really just kind of immersing ourselves definitely, definitely fell in love with, with the area and, um, and, and what a great reception we've, we've had ever since. You mentioned previously about you had a short list of clubs and you set out some criteria as to, to what you were looking for from the clubs. Can you remember what some of those criteria were and what Carlisle particularly excelled in? Yeah. Um, probably not all of them right off the top of my head, but, but a major one was just like radius of other clubs around the club. And I mean, you don't, it's already such a saturated market in the fact that if you are in a bigger city, you have to compete with clubs that are 12 times the size of your club. And I mean that it's still taking the same amount of money and dedication. So why not be a smaller fish, but in a larger area where nobody's competing against you. So I think that was one of the ones that was your biggest. Geographic location was huge for us. Um, Just a a kind of a family friend we had spoken to. um, I can't say too much, but their national league team in London area. And he said his biggest issue is nobody wants to come to their games on a Saturday because they're going 10 miles down the road to, to somebody else. So um, geographic location was a big one. Um, Current infrastructure, Mm -hmm. you know, Brunton Park, we, we knew it needed some love. We know, you know, how long the stadium's been standing there. Um, but it is a, and it's a club-owned asset, which which was huge um, versus some teams that, that don't own their own stadiums um, and, and the capacity size of it. And once we saw the the, the infrastructure that hadn't been completed on the, the East End or the, now the Andrew Jenkins End, um, you know, we saw a lot of potential there as well. So those were two big ones. Um, having a, a loyal fan base, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I won't lie, it was as, as simple as going to attendance figures from every league and, and looking at them and saying, okay, Carlisle pulls fans even when, you know, things aren't at, at their at their peak. Yeah. It's not going to be, you know, you're not looking for 30,000 or 20,000 every week, um, but you're yeah. just looking for historically, do they have organic fans that, that really truly care about the, the brand? And we thought Carlisle was, was certainly one of the highest in that regard. Um, and, and I would say one of the last ones was just the ability to win. You know, I look, I go through so many of these clubs and some of them, they've existed, you know, a hundred years and they might not have a trophy to their name. And, you know, they may have gone up or down a few times, but they, they've never really gone all the way. And you look at Carlisle and you see division champions, you see uh, trophy, uh, football league trophy champions, um, you know, trips to Wembley throughout their history uh, or Cardiff City when, when that was there. Um, that aspect of some teams just don't have the ability to finish. We're Jacksonville Jaguars fans. We've never been to this. I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. fan. We've never even been to the Super Bowl. So, you know, we're one of I, I, I wasn't going to mention the weekend because it, <laughs> it was a sore one at the weekend. It, it is a sore one, especially after, yeah, I get knocked out of the playoffs this weekend. That was tough. But but we're a team that people kind of associate with just not being able to get to the to the finish line because we're one of four franchises that have never even been to the Super Bowl. 
Um, we are a younger franchise, but still, you, you want to be able to get there. We've been one game short three times in the semifinals. So when we looked at Carlisle, we said, this is a team that, you know, they, ha- they have that innate ability. It, you know, it's not a specific player and it's not a specific yeah. time period, but they've shown the ability to win as a club. And, and to see those fans at Wembley, um, I mean – I, I would say I, I think the home Bradford leg might have been my my favorite, yeah. but that was an amazing experience and, and showed what you know the club on a banner day. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of the things I remember when when we had that first meeting face to face in uh, over at Upperby School. What um, one, one of the, the major things we sort of touched on was some some people call it isolation, where others see it as an opportunity and. I think the only the only other team I can think of that's similar is probably Norwich in terms of one city team with mm. where people come in. I mean, you you look at Carlisle. I know people who come to watch Carlisle from Workington, Whitehaven, and Penrith, Kendall, Keswick, Cockermouth, Appleby, Holt, Whistling, Dumfries. You know, there's yeah. the catchment area is so so big, and a, a successful Carlisle you know, does draw people in from these places. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we meet them every week when we're out there in the fan zone. Um, guys are telling me they've flown in or they've come down from, from, from up in Scotland or from down south. And, you know, we absolutely love that. And we know the travel is not always the easiest from Carlisle. Uh, those away days can, can be grueling, I imagine. Um, but but the, the fan base is fiercely loyal and, and just, you know, fantastic, fantastic group that have been sticking with the club through thick and thin. So, Hopefully we can we can provide some good times with that. I think there's a couple of guys who travel from Glasgow to every home and away game, which is just mad when you think about yeah. it for the distance you've got to travel. I mean, I come up from Liverpool for every home game, but to go Glasgow to every single game is just just mad, isn't it? Really, when you think about it. Um, yeah. So when it when it came to getting the takeover done, those last couple of months was it a bit tense in terms of? hoping to get things sorted or were you always confident that it was going to get done after the uh, kiosk uh, meeting was sorted? After the vote, we didn't see a way where it wouldn't get done. Um, you know, Tom is, Tom is very yeah, on track when it comes to, comes to these type of things and, and business minded. And, and when we sat down as a family, we, we went, we're, we're going to get this done um, one way or another. There, there were a few pieces that, you know, might've not been the ideal situation for us. Um, but we weren't going to concessions were made. Yeah, but we weren't going to let that hold up the hold up the deal. Um, we we pressed as much as we could and, and held the line as firm as we could. But when it came down to it, our, our goal was to complete complete the transaction, um, and we weren't going to let you know one or two things that you know were, were outside factors stop stop this from happening. Yeah. So um, we we made we made the commitment to ourselves that we were we were going to do everything on our end to get this done. It would not be uh, the fault of the family for for leaving anything out or coming up short on anything. Um, and so, you know, we made the commitments to, to those guys and, and and we knew we were going to fulfill them and we did. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's pleasing that it finally got done. I mean, in terms of the support you got from the fans, obviously looking at that kiosk meeting and the, the overwhelming vote in favour and what spot you got in the build-up to the takeover being finalised and then the day of that game against Charlton... How big was that for the family to see how much the fans were behind it? I mean, it was incredible just because, I mean, we didn't really have doubts, but a lot of topic of conversation before we got to get leaked, I guess, to everyone was how are they going to respond to us being American? Like, that's always kind of like some communities are like, yes, that's fine. Like, we support you 110% as long as you support us. So that was kind of in the back of our minds, like, oh, this could go one of two ways. And the fact that it just went completely astronomically in the positive was incredible. And I mean, I've never personally have never felt so like appreciated and just overwhelmed with how people have reacted. Because I mean, it was just surreal. Like yeah. you're standing out there and it's just a surreal experience. It was, it was an unreal day, um, you know, being in the fan zone that afternoon, going through, we hit, you know, I think all the, the different yeah. hospitality bars. And then just when that moment when we're down on in the tunnel and they just say, go, go, go. And, and the family starts walking out. <laughs> um, you know, again, as Alice just said, I've, the, the reception of 10,000 plus, you know, Carlisle Faithful, you know, making – an absolute racket um, and, and having, it was an amazing, amazing moment for, for us, for the family. Um, one will never forget, um, never forget. So that, that was, that was amazing. And 
Um, we, we hope the, the fans enjoyed it as, you know, as much as we did, because it was, it was a great day. The weather held off um, and, and we got a point. So it was, it was overall, you know, a, a fantastic day, a fantastic experience. Glad we had finally made it to that point. That's for sure. Yeah. You mentioned there about the fact that, you know, maybe them being a bit funny about potentially the fact that it's an American family coming in or whatever, but do you think the fact that when that meeting took place with the kiosk members, you gave so much information, you, you showed you'd done so much research. How important was it for you to show that we're not just bluffing here, we're not just coming in and taking over and winging it. We've actually done our, our homework here. How important for you guys was it to make sure that you, that you showed that you have had to put that effort in? Well, I think the main thing that we kind of learned throughout the entire process was just the lack of transparency between the club and its fans. And we wanted to start off on the foot where there is going to be transparency. There is going to be more of a dialogue between the club and the fans. And that's extremely important in a community like Carlisle because the club is the community and we want to make sure it's being represented by the community for the community and all that kind of thing. And so I think just starting out with the level of transparency that we want you guys to expect from us was extremely important. And I'm glad that it was so well received because that's not going to change like five, 10, 20 years down the line. Like that is how uh, Mr. Tom operates all of his businesses. So just full level transparency, everyone on the same page, everyone involved in discussions to make uh, decisions and all that kind of stuff. So that, I mean, yeah, no, I say it, it was absolutely massive and, and important to us to to show that the the kiosk who, who were able to show at that point in time and everybody you know as as we can um, the level of commitment we have and and the fact that you know who we are we thought that was was a really big aspect of it because you know you might read something in a in a headline or on an article um, but you, you really don't get to know who people are until you until you talk to them face to face and there was talk of do we do that meeting over Zoom and we said you know no we need we need to be there we want to be able to converse with people, talk to people before, talk to people after the meeting, um, and, and really kind of, you know, show, you know, who we are as a family, um, that we're not some, you know, corporate interest coming in to, you know, try to do some business deal with the club. We're, we're a family who's passionate about the sport and passionate about the club and the community um, and, and to do what's best for the club and the community. So that was all really important for us to show there. And as Alice mentioned, it's literally this morning, I, I had an email that came across to our whole company that shows every branch's numbers because transparency is something we want everyone to be able to work together, see what each other are doing and, and, you know, have positive influences strive on each to other. A common goal. Yeah. yeah. That's the only way that you're going to strive to a common goal yeah. is if everyone's on the same page. And I think that being transparent with all aspects of the club will get us to the goal that we all are hopefully looking for. So. <laughs> I, I think the transparency one as, as fans, we want to know the far end of everything. And I mean, we, fans would never expect to know how much Luke Armstrong's getting paid per week because we, we will speculate, we will discuss, but at the end of the day, it's between him and the club, you know. But just, just the fact that the communication channels are so much more open, and especially in, you know, social media these days, Everything's everywhere straight away, and I'm not I'm not having a go at the the last owners, but with their sort of profile image, etc., the increasingly sort of online world mm-hmm. didn't really suit them. You know, I'm 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 not I'm not offending them there. I think they would probably agree. You know, but you know, just as fans to hear that everything is going to be. <coughs> excuse me, a lot more transparent is is music to any football fans' ears and when it's all club you're like brilliant, you know, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, no the uh, the the undisclosed fee and et cetera for, for players and things <laughs> like that. You know, I don't know if that is something that will change just because I don't know the inner workings of the rules and, and everything along those lines. I, you should see my inbox of people sending players <laughs> in and you know, who who are we going for? And so when we say transparency obviously there's plenty of things like along those lines that can't yeah. be, but as much as we yeah, can, yeah. Um, we, we intend to be. Um, so, so that's something. And, and from like the social media aspect side, we, we definitely, you know, saw that and we, th- we saw the, the, the positive reactions people were getting when, you know, it was just a snippet of our family when they did the, the breaking news and how much people enjoyed that. And, you know, it, and it was, 
it, it was it, we had a good time doing it. You know, we're not the most active on social media. Um, you know, nobody's you know doing that as a as a regular thing, but we definitely are on there. So um, it, it's something where we intend to to be open to the fans, be available to you know if there, if you have a serious thing, you, you can message us and we will usually look at it and respond as long as it's not inappropriate or, or, you know, in any way, you know, trying to slate somebody or something like that. Um, you know, we, we are open to, 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 you know, people reaching out to us and saying, Hey, I've noticed this and, you know, we think this could be better. And if it's a good idea, we'll run it up the chain and see what happens. Um, I might get flooded with, with, <laughs> with requests after this, <laughs> but it is true that, that we read um, a lot online from the Facebook pages to Twitter, to the, the messaging boards, um, probably more than, than some fans might even expect. We, we we're, we're reading it all and, and taking it in and, and doing what we can with it. I will warn you, we'll get a few messages about tarmacking paths, which is a long running joke <laughs> among our fan base. So um, yeah. Um, so in terms of what's happened off the pitch since the takeover, a lot of happened has happened really, really quickly. I think fans are a bit amazed that, you know, we've seen improvements made to some of the lounges and obviously the directors, um, boardroom as well um obviously the fan zones expanded we've seen all the things going up outside and obviously there's work already starting on the the east stand or the andrew jenkins stand was it important for you guys to make sure you had all these plans in place ready to go bang as soon as the takeover's done we're in there and we're starting to do that yeah, yeah. I, what, what we could do we wanted to get done as soon as possible um especially you know as you mentioned some of the stuff that we were doing and, and some of the stuff for the players that probably can't be seen by most people um it hasn't been a ton yet but there, there have been minor changes and, you know, stuff where their families can go and, you know, some of the, the uh, training equipment um, and, and even some of like the gym equipment that, that they needed um, that we were able to kind of immediately say, yes, go ahead. Let's, let's get that. We the club needs what, you know, these professional athletes need. Um, and the fans have obviously been able to see, you know, the fan zone and, you know, a few, few other things. Um, the branding has been great. The, you know, the local uh, businesses that help us out with that did a fantastic job. Um, so, so all of that was very important to, to have, I mean, we were getting it ready for the few weeks leading up to what we thought was the date and the date got pushed back. Yeah. And so, so thing, things were ready to go. We had, you know, contractors that were just waiting on standby for, for the moment they had the opportunity to go in there. Um, and, and we don't see that slowing down in the short term. Um, they, there's a lot of plans that, that we have for, for Brunton Park and, and the area. Um, and hopefully, um, with the help of, of the local local businesses and the and the council will be able to to get those done yeah there's a lot of exciting stuff planned off the pitch i was um, gonna say it's, it's it's good you mentioned the council there because historically relations haven't been the best between the football club and the council but uh obviously i know the council had a huge reorganization within sort of the last year 18 months and you know hearing you speak about working with the council can only be a good thing for both the club and the general local community in general, you know, because Calais United, whether people like it or not, is a bloody big thing in this this area and people like the council, we should be working together, you know, so it's, it's good to hear that. Yeah, yeah, I like to think we're coming with a clean slate. Um, I, obviously, we, we've also heard about the the restructuring and everything. So really, it's kind of a, a clean slate on both sides, um, it, it feels like. And um, we haven't personally met with them. I know Tom and Patty have have personally met with them and, and kind of laid out, uh, you know, kind of some, some thoughts we have and some ideas and, um, you know, hopefully... How think, we can work together. Yeah, things things they agree on, on some of the ones that we've put out there, and and we can progress those further down the line because we think it'd be good for Carlisle United, and we think it would be really good for the um for, for the community of Carlisle as well. What what we're proposing. You mentioned the fact, obviously, before that you're a big Jags fan from the NFL. Um, now, is there anything? This is one of these sort of cliche questions to ask, but is there anything that you reckon you can take from the sort of fan experience at NFL games that could potentially be? added to the experience at Brunham Park? I mean, we kind of did that for the Charlton game with, like, the Mm -hmm. flags and all of, like, the extra stuff. That's very typical for the NFL. Well, I mean, I don't know about all of the teams, but for the Jags specifically, there tends to be, like, a freebie every single game that you go to. Obviously, there's not nearly as many home games as there are for English football. Um, but we kind of got some ideas in like regards to that. And then there are some things like 
the music and all that kind of like there's a lot more theatrics I feel like that go on but we don't want to take away from the history of English football and like yeah, it's, no. it's very different in that experience but we do get some ideas yeah I tell you yeah, a lot more theatrics because the game start and stops every you know <laughs> 30 seconds or so um so yeah you have time Got to do a lot that of holes to fill. um so so that that side is is yeah de- definitely different um i i would say taking the charlton game kind of what we we call tailgating would be something um that that i could see yeah. hopefully being brought over um and and standing which you know when we go to a jaguars game we get there three and a half hours early and everybody's out you know for Jags, we're in, we're in a parking lot, and you, you just, you know, you bring a big screen TV, you get the early games on if you happen to be in the later uh, afternoon games. Um, we have about 70 season tickets um, for the, our company, Magellan. So the people that get those tickets, it's different every week. They're kind of in charge of hosting that tailgate, so they have to get all the food, drinks, uh, speakers, you know, they get parking passes. So they get there bright and early, and then we everybody comes to it from the company, whether or not you have a ticket via us or you just you know have your own season ticket or something like that um and everyone comes down and you know you spend a good two to three hours before the game hanging out as as a group um and and, you know getting that atmosphere where people want to come down early stay we noticed that at the charlton game i think adding the the big screen to show that the the early the early game whether that's a premier league game or an efl game um has has been a, a big one um i know that game in particular was manchester city liverpool and there were quite a few um, people who came up to me and said, hey, I, I, honestly, I was going to a friend's place to watch this. And then I heard it was on the fan zone. So I, I came down here instead. Like, and we're like, that was you like, know, kind of exactly what we were hoping for. Yeah. Um, so we want to <clears> definitely <throat> build out that experience. I mean, it, we, it already has been built out with adding another container and all of that. But I mean, there is so much room to grow that into definitely like a bigger entity of before the game and also accommodating for like the weather and all that kind of stuff. So that is something in the future that we're definitely looking into. A couple of years ago, uh, half past two in the car park, you'd be lucky if it was a couple of hundred people. Yeah. Now, by one o'clock, two hours before, you've got several hundred, maybe even a thousand, and they're all spending money, which ultimately goes into the club, you know, via food, drink, you know, concessions, etc. And e- even in just a couple of years, the change has been absolutely incredible. And obviously, you guys are used to that sort of thing from, you know, the tailgates, etc. And I, I sort of see the fan zone as our version of a, a British version of a tailgate, but it's only getting more successful, which, which can only be a good thing. Yeah, that, that's exactly our thoughts on the matter. Um, so that that's kind of, you know, one, one thing where we definitely think there is some crossover because, you know, the fan experience is one, arguably, other than the footballing result, the most important aspect because you want someone who leaves to say, I want to come back on Saturday. Yeah. I want to come back next week. Or their kids say, Mom, Dad, I want to come back. My friends are all going. They're going to be in the fan zone at 1 o'clock. I want to be down there. Um, so that that's definitely something that, that we thought was, was great. We've seen a Carlisle and a few clubs across the EFL that have kind of been integrating the fan zone. And it's definitely something we, we wanted to expand on. And, and we think it's, it's been looking fantastic out there um, yeah. all season. Yeah. Well, my nephew Miles was at the Cheltenham game and he loved the stuff beforehand. Didn't enjoy the game so much himself, but, um, but we're sure we'll, well, he's a Man City and Liverpool fan. So I'm, I'm doing this deliberately, mentioning it now so I can tell him off and tell him you can't be both. <laughs> one or the other so there you go or ideally a car off on long term um, exactly 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 that um right i just want to ask you a quick both sort of an individual question here to to ask sort of what individual skills do you both think you're going to bring in terms of as a director of the club because i think alice you particularly mentioned in the interviews hr is a big thing for you isn't it in terms of that side of it and tom you know you've done risk register that kind of thing i think because it's your job so um what sort of things would you both bring I mean, my day job here at Magellan is human resources. So um, I've been kind of involved in just kind of getting that back end stuff all organized with the club. But then also just like in the community, what I hope long term when we get more integrated into the community is just being able to be available, be a liaison, do whatever needs to be done in that aspect. I enjoy bringing people together. That's kind of my job in general. I am definitely like 
in between the employee and the company. So I'm used to kind of being the middle person. And I would love to extend that knowledge and that background into Carlisle as best I can. So hopefully, like long term, that's kind of where I see myself. Um, definitely not like becoming a full time like HR person for Carlisle. <laughs> I'll help however I can. I think a lot of people forget that like, we are a different country and we operate very differently in that aspect. Yeah. And there's not a lot of crossover that I've seen. So I do help in like the broad sense of the term. But um definitely more like community oriented just because I am from such a small town. Um, I, I really enjoy that aspect of Carlisle that it is, there are a lot of people there, but it's very uh, much small town vibes and everyone comes together and supports each other. Definitely reminds me of home more than Jacksonville does. So. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> on my side, I, you know, back here, I, I handle risk management is, is kind of the title. Um, so contracts, claims, and insurance, anything that falls under those three kind of kind of hits my desk. Um, there's not a ton of crossover when people hear contracts. They think, <laughs> you know, maybe I know something about player contracts. I'm talking, you know, customer contracts and with trucking companies. Um, and, and the insurance issues I deal with are, are certainly different than the type of issues that a football club would deal with. Um, but I will say it, it has definitely strengthened me in terms of um, my, my business sense the ability to have a difficult conversation when it comes to claims and insurance, you're rarely having a fun conversation um, on yeah. any side of that. So, so I'm definitely, you know, used to that. Um, and then obviously I, I absolutely love the sport of football. So put the passion together with, with the with the drive to learn and, and the ability to, you know, grasp a concept and, and not shy away from an issue. Um, Cause you can't shy away from issues with trucking claims. It's, you know, the truck got in an accident you gotta, you gotta figure it out. Um, so it's the, those together, I think, will be um, hopefully a powerful force moving forward and, and be able to really help step in on, on the administration side um, as we move forward and learn more. But it, it's been it's been a great experience so far um, with, with the administration team that we have at Carlisle United. They've really brought us into the fold. We have, you know, weekly, if not daily calls with them, um, text messages going back and forth to make sure that we're fully up to speed and understand everything that's going on with the club and and that there's not anything we're missing out on. And therefore, you know, each day we're learning something new and it all comes back together to, to roll up into one ball of information. It's also been helpful just to not prolong anything that we want to get done with the constant communication because we don't want the distance to be a reason why things aren't getting accomplished and it's no excuse so like we're constantly as soon as we're in the office we kind of dive into the carlisle aspect of our lives and then once they're out of work that's kind of when we step into our magellan role yeah yeah in in terms of um over there in jacksonville uh, florida how much interest has it been locally in terms of the takeover? Because I've seen a few articles appearing online. Some of the, the local media over there have taken a, an interest in the news. Yeah, yeah, uh, quite quite a few um, media picked it up. They there was one picture that you know had Ryan Reynolds and Tom Brady who just yeah. came in at Birmingham, and 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 then our family, and we were like, <laughs> wow, that's yeah. that's three or two people you don't mind being associated with right there. I'm not sure how who came up with that picture. Um, but someone uh, is actually a friend of mine that, that works for the city sent it and went, what's this? And, and um, so there, there's definitely been some interest there. Um, there's some talks of, of, um, of, of Jacksonville maybe trying to get something set up with Carlisle um, from a city to city aspect. Um, there really are deep football roots in, in Jacksonville. Um, obviously, we, there's Shad Khan who owns the Jaguars and he's with Fulham. Um, Bill Foley from Bournemouth, he's, he's, he has strong Jacksonville ties as well. And I will say just in general, it's um, a, a really strong area of the country for, for our young footballers. Um, growing up, when you played in North Florida, other than South Florida, there was not many areas in the, in the country that could really compete with us. We had um, very, a very just strong youth system. And, you know, it's, it's nothing compared to the levels that, that are played at over in Europe, I'll be honest. Um, but it, it, it is one of the stronger areas um, for, for football in the U.S., I'm surprised we don't have a professional team. We're expected to get one in 2025 in the USL, not the MLS. Um, but it, we were a market that that is ripe for it and does have a really strong footballing um, background. When you, when you look at our, our youth development and the guys that go into play college, generally not professional, but um, there's quite a few that, that come up and that you see come from Jacksonville and people don't necessarily associate Jacksonville as a, as a major sporting town. 
Um, but oddly enough, it's very, very competitive when it comes to football. Is it Sporting Jacks that the USL team's going to be? I, I believe that's the name. They, they, they actually just came up with the name. And, um, it was, yeah, yeah. It was Jacks USL, but yeah, I think they went with Sporting Jacks and, and announced yeah, that. Yeah, Tim, Tim Tebow's involved in it. Yes, it? yeah, Tim Tebow's involved yeah. in it. And, and we've had discussions with them, um, even actually before we, as Alex kind of mentioned earlier, before we even, you know, really broached into European football, um, we did look locally, and they, they are an option. Um, and it, it is progressing with them. We're still talking to them. Um, but it's they're still in the concept phase. They've been awarded a franchise for going into 2025. So there's, you know, no stadium. There's no they don't no even have, there's, there's no site. There's no infrastructure to date. Um, it's just a team of guys that are are starting to work in, um, in the background and, and kind of build the plan together. They're planning to, you know, I believe, propose to our city council here and sure. and and try to you know make out work out a deal that that'll work really well for our city um, and and the and the football club. Um, so it's so should 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 we pencil in say twenty twenty six a preseason <laughs> sport in Jacksonville Carlisle Fulham and Bournemouth little tournament oh, man. <laughs> that would be something that would be something um, yeah I, with a very light pencil and yeah. a good eraser but, <laughs> you know it's it's definitely something to hope for um, you know there's there's always opportunities like that but um, but yeah as of now and it is odd for us to not have a team here in Jacksonville. Um, the highest we have is basically like a, a glorified U21s team that used to be in our second division and they just kind of fell apart, yeah. to be honest. So, um, but the support is here. So I think the Sporting Jacks will do well um, once they become a franchise. And um, yeah, we, we, we continue to have the conversation with them, but our, our focus is on Carlisle United. Let, let's talk about things on the pitch a little bit now then. Um, obviously, when you came in, uh, the manager, Paul Simpson, someone who is a club legend, a local legend. I mean, how impressed were you with him in particular? How much he sort of got the club in and really buys into the community of it? Extremely. Um, you know, before we even met him, it was, he was one of our, the perks of Carlisle United, you know, as I just kind of did my research. And, you know, I, generally a manager is not something you look at and expect to be a, you know, a long-term situation or, you know, even with transitions, you, you see it sometimes where they can change and, um, I don't think there was another club that had a manager like Paul Simpson that not only as accomplished as he is to have the connections he has to the community. And, and you know, he, he's made it very clear to us that he loves Carlisle United. He, he has no ambitions to, to, to move on at this point um, that, that he's told us about. Um, his goal is to make Carlisle United the best club it can be. Um, and that was exactly what we wanted to hear. Um, selfishly, that was exactly what we hoped for was, you know, a manager of, of, of Paul's caliber that, wanted to be here and, and for all the right reasons. And so it was, it was a huge perk. It wasn't anything we expected, but as we learned, you know, who Paul Simpson was and as we were, you know, leading up to meeting him, made sure the whole family understood, you know, he, this guy's done it all. He's, he's been across the country. He's been across the world, you know, world cup winner um, and, and everything along those lines. And, and for him to, you know, want to be here in Carlisle United, I think is an absolute blessing. Um, and, and we're very thankful that, that he's here. Any other exciting developments coming up in the near future as well in terms of on the field, off the field stuff? Uh, I mean, it's it's a constant. This January window has been a whirlwind. Um, you know, it, it was nice to have, obviously, the, the Luke get settled, you know, about a, two weeks before the, the window. Yeah. We kind of had agreement in place. Of course, nothing's set until, you know, sign on the dotted yeah. line and people saw the, the FA versus FIFA rules that they were trying, that they were, you yeah. know, two days before the window opened. Yeah. And, we were like, oh man, this this could be something, but luckily that all got squared away. Um, so so that was good to have in advance. Then um, you know Harrison Neal and Sean Graham, I hope I got that right. Um, you know to, to have those two come in next, we were we were very excited to to, to roll that out early. Um, there there's a lot that's working, but it it is amazing how how quickly things can change on a day to day basis. One guy can go from we think he's coming to he's gone, but this new guys interested and, and, and things have been moving. We have a short list um, that, that Paul and Greg and, and the team have put together and it, it actively players move up it and down it. And it's, it's quite interesting to, to kind of watch and, and get the play by play. And every now and then, you know, we, we do have a players uh, call uh, weekly that we do just to make sure we're all, you know, on the same page for what we're targeting. Um, but it is, it is definitely an active period, and I can see why the January window is a, a flurry of activity yeah. because it's, it's, been, it's been a crazy one um, being in this situation. 
it's quite a different experience, isn't it, from American sports in that sense. Obviously, you know, with your um, uh, what do you call that? I've got the name of it now. The the draft. The, 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 draft. the draft. That's the one. I couldn't get off the top of the tongue there. Yeah, different from the draft, isn't it, in terms of how much transfers go on? And so that's probably been quite a learning curve for you all, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we. I, we don't have another window. It's only the one. Well, there's the trade trade window, but but it's only one. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, the, the draft is obviously very very different. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. it. Really, other than American football, it's not a huge thing. Um, like in basketball, they generally say you know the first five or six picks are important, and hockey, the first couple picks are important. In the NFL, all like 270 picks are important, and then they go on from there. And I don't necessarily love that it rewards mediocrity coming in last to get the first pick. I won't complain that we got Trevor Lawrence um, three years ago. <laughs> so it was the first time we've ever had the first pick in Jacksonville. Um, but, it, but it is, I, I do think it's not a system. And then the way our transfer window works is basically it, it's open and they set a, just a deadline date, um, usually about like 10 weeks into the season and a 17 week season. And absolutely nothing happens until a day or two before that, that transfer uh, deadline. Like you do not see transfers early on in this once the season started until the okay, week of that yeah. deadline. And then you'll just see boom, That's boom, boom. You know, everybody goes, it comes in on one day. Um, and and in, as in a similar way, it is, you know, who's pushing for who's pushing for playoffs and maybe who's not um, that, that kind of drives that, but it, it is a completely different, different aspect of it. Um, but it's been a, it's been a, whirlwind of a, of a couple of weeks here and a couple more to go so i feel like you have to move a lot quicker well at least in this transfer window than in american football so you gotta kind of like grab the people that you can because you're gonna run out of time yeah that that and there's, there's so many more clubs and players yeah, and agreed. you know in american football there's there's 31 other professional teams and, and that's it you're not you're not looking outside you're not looking at free agents except for maybe one Joe Flacco this year, um, who's just an ex player came back. Uh, but you're, you're really not looking at, you know, other leagues. You're not, you know, diving too much. The Canadian football league would be probably the second um, one. And you maybe see one or two players at most um, every couple of years come through it. So there's only, you know, 31 other teams you have to look at. Whereas here you're looking at so 92 cool. professional teams in England, maybe the fifth tier, maybe Scottish, Belgian, you know, Portuguese, any league you want to name. Heck, you can look in the MLS and, and South America. I saw, I think Stockport signed a guy from Minnesota United. I saw it the other day and I went, oh, look at that. Um, so there's so much more that goes on in, in the scouting aspect on this, on in European football, than has to go on, on the American side. Um, so it's it's been a lot. As I mentioned, that, that player list that we have for every position is littered with, with names that, that move up and down and you know, it's it really can change on a day to day basis. And of course, how much of it depends on, you know, the other clubs and mm-hmm. they're waiting on hearing something else and then boom, you know, chain reaction. And then you get the answer, you know, two weeks later. So it, it's been it's been a whirlwind, but it's been it's been fun. Um, and, and we definitely hope to have some some good news, um, you know, in Every January. Weeks, yeah. You you are in for a treat on the 31st of January, the last <laughs> day of the window that the sheer frenzy. I mean, you'll probably get Sky Sports news put up on on the screens at Magellan. Honestly, it's the presenters wear the best suits. <laughs> the screen flashes yellow every thirty seconds. They go to reporters at every training ground in the country, and it is just crazy. And they'll, they'll scream, "Big deal, big deal!" And it'll be someone's gone from Mansfield to Gateshead alone, and you know, it's <laughs> they're making it out to be Messi going to Miami sort of levels. You know, it's just. You're in for some fun on the 31st. <laughs> yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. If yeah. uh, if the start of this month has been anything to go by, I, I can only imagine what the, the deadline day will be like. I, I, I hope we'll have all our deals done before <laughs> yeah. then, anyway. Yeah, so do we. Fingers crossed. Uh, just a quick one on off the pitch stuff, obviously, I mentioned there. Um, we've obviously seen the stuff that's already been done and obviously looking to do the stuff in the East Stand, but there's plenty of other exciting things planned as well, isn't there? And I suppose the summer's going to be a really big opportunity to make even bigger improvements at Brunham Park. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Everything's kind of already been laid out of what we can kind of not do as soon as possible, but like well thought out plans into like, yes, we're going to tackle this first and hopefully get this done before the next season starts. Um, and then obviously just making sure that we're doing all the right things and with the council, getting all of the permitting correct, because I mean, what we are planning is 
build out situations. And so hopefully that all goes smoothly and we can start our next season with some significant improvements to the grounds for you guys. Yeah. It, it will not be a quiet summer yeah. at Broughton Park. Um, We've got big plans. Regardless, even, even if, you know, some of the, the, the biggest stuff is waiting on permitting or anything like yeah. that, there is so much that, that we have earmarked to be done on, on, on all aspects from the player side, to the, the fan experience that it will, I, can guarantee it will not be a quiet summer at Brunton Park, no matter what. Yeah. There, there will be changes, um, and and things that we just, you know, not not changes in terms of the of the the ground itself or anything along that, but just refurbishing, um, yeah. you know, bringing it into the twenty first century, things along that lines. That little things make a big difference to, on a match day experience. I mean, you're only there yeah. for a couple hours, one day a week or one day every other week, um, but those little differences can can make a big difference in your you know experience at the match and. And that's our goal is to have the best match day experience we can. I, I, th- I think it's good as fans as well to hear that it's short, mid and long term ideas because obviously the short term come in, quick, easy wins, you know, temporary toilets at the Warwick Road end, get some colour in the fan zone, the big screen. They're short term wins. Everyone's happy. Mid term, you're probably looking at the summer, maybe next season. And then obviously, mid to long likes of your training ground, etc. that's in, in the pipeline. And just as fans to hear that this stuff is happening, again it goes back to the open communication sort of thing. It's just it's bloody exciting to it be is. quite honest. You know, it's, it, that's great. That's exactly what we, we the, the reaction we hope for. Um you know the, the goal is to to make it improve for the community, um from our community assets. So yeah, there there are some, you know, the the training site in particular, uh, it's simply not possible to do that in, in one yeah. summer. Is no, what we quickly no. learned, um, and and we, and we knew coming yeah. into it. Yeah, it's 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 a multi year process yeah. most likely on that one, um, but we think we have a, a you know process that we that will work. Um, we've started to float that out there. Um, it's going to have some tweaks needed to be made to it and everything along those lines. But um, yeah, we're glad that that's that's the reaction you're having as as fans because. It's the reaction we're having is excitement as well. Um, and, and there are plans, as you mentioned, short, medium and long term to, to do the best we can for, for the club. And we're constantly learning, obviously, because we've never done this before. And just being able to go to the different sites and see what, how other clubs are doing their thing and tweaking it based mm-hmm. on that. Because, yeah, we're all we're all there for the match, but everyone does it a little bit differently. And like some stuff will work, some stuff won't work. And so that's been really helpful. And it's been really nice to see how just kind and generous everyone has been toward us in sharing that information. Um, I was kind of surprised. I mean, we got a whole tour of a training facility for an away game and it was just incredible. Like they were so nice. They were so kind, offered an hour of their time to show us around. And we learned a lot from that. We've, we've learned things to, yeah, that could work for us. That probably won't work for us, but it's been exciting. And our list just kind of adds the more we get exposed to these different facilities and what we hope for the future for Brunton Park and also just Carlisle in general. So that's... I, th- I think I think the fixtures have fell really well mm-hmm. for the times when you've been over because obviously straight after Charlton, we had the Reading game. We have, you know, the Majeski Stadium or it's got some death name now. Yeah. You know, um, like Fleet, Fleetwood is an old ground, but the main stand is, you know, it, it, it's quite smart. And again, Wigan's a fairly new ground. So I think I think you've you've struck lucky in that you've yeah. you've you've managed to be over when we've we've been at teams that have developed and brought things in and as you say if an idea is good pinch it you know yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah so that's one of the beauties of League One is uh, luckily there's there's a lot more matches like that where you, where you do get to see the um, some top tier stadiums and, and infrastructure yeah. but but yeah as Alice mentioned the um, a lot of the, the clubs have been very willing to say, yeah, come, come take a look at our facilities, come see what we're doing. You know, we're going to come mind if we come see what you're doing when, when we come up to Carlisle and like, of course, and it's, it's been a good, you know, you compete on the pitch, but outside of it, you're all kind of working towards the same goal, which is just to have the best, you know, academy and fan, fan uh, experience you can. So, um, you know, it's not like your idea is going to be a secret. People are going to find out about it on game day. So, um, you know, they've been very open um, and it's been, it's been great. I'm going to wrap things up now, guys, because I've used up an hour of your time. Thank you very much. But one more question to finish off. Five years' time, where do you see Cal United? Yeah. Uh, five <laughs> years, I'd, I'd like to say 
if not in pushing for the championship. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our, our mantra when we, when we talk with the family, our, is 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 fighting for that the playoffs right now? I, not this season, yeah. obviously, but fighting <laughs> yeah, for the yeah. playoffs is 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 where Carlisle we believe should be in, yeah. in League One. Um, and and then when you get there and you go make the, the most of it, yeah. Um, you know, we, we believe this this club could could definitely be a championship level club. So um, that that would be in five years, I would say that would be the dream, an exceptional win. Yeah. Um, but we believe it's possible, um, and we look forward to doing everything we can to get there. Tom and Alice, thanks very much for your time. I think you're going to find out in the next those five years there is no club quite like Carl United. <laughs> Dan will tell you that first. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Thank you guys yeah, very much for having us. Thank you so much us. for having us. No problem. Thanks Tom. very much. Yeah, once again, huge thank you to both Tom too and Alice for giving up their time to speak to us. Massively appreciated. They're very busy people in terms of all the things to do with Carl United and the business back in Jacksonville, Florida as well. So you know, to get an hour of their time on a busy weekday, can't really grumble at all, really, with that. It's been brilliant. And, you know, we're hoping to grab maybe uh, Jenna and Nick at some point, And definitely we'd like to get Tom and Patty on as well, if we can possibly do that. So we're working on that one and we'll hopefully bring you something back. But, you know, we're working on a few more special things as well coming up soon. But um, other than that, all the regular episodes of The Bugle will be out soon. So, um, yep, keep listening. And thank you once again. And most importantly of all, up the blues. 